Andrew. Mm-hmm. There's a bookstore in my town. Uh, brag for me. Um, Ooh. And <laughs> I know, right? Means, it means that means gentrification generally. <laughs> that means uh, we are gentrified, baby. <laughs> um, I love the time that we live in uh, because I went to the bookstore to buy one of the aforementioned last second gifts that I am known for uh, for Christmas. And there's a, a book that is uh, simply titled 100 Animals That Can Fucking End You. Oh. <laughs> and I had, like, what am I going to do? Did you buy and it? Not, I'm going to not get this book. No, I didn't buy it because as we discussed, I cannot read Thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. But luckily, they make audiobooks out of everything, so I bought the audiobook. Uh, okay, and it is tremendous. Uh, this guy had a TikTok that he where he would make. I had a feeling it was this guy. He's an African American yeah. gentleman uh, with uh, he 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 wears AirPods and he talks into his AirPods like this. Yes. Yeah, I know exactly who that is. Okay, he's he's hilarious. Uh, the audiobooks actually, I would probably recommend it over the regular book, just because. Is it him? The, yeah, it's him reading it <laughs> in the style that he like reads that stuff, you know. Yeah. Uh, and it's awesome. So, I was going to see it. Let me see if I can find it here. Um. That's funny that he has a book. And like, it's good. I. It's only. It's a little bit. Uh. It's only like three hours long, so for audiobooks, it's sort of disappointing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I did learn not to mess around with the blue-ringed octopus. <laughs> Are you familiar? No, I am not. Uh, they're like crazy small, but they will, they have, their poison is a hundred times more deadly than cyanide. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, don't mess with that dude. But uh, I want to look at this guy. And also, just like it's created a whole new appreciation for octopuses or octopi, uh, in my life. Oh, he looks he looks pretty badass. Well, and their bite doesn't <clears throat> hurt apparently. So like it'll bite you, and you won't even know. And you then, just like, you just think and, it's like suckling. Yeah, and then like an hour later, you're dead. <laughs> like, look at that guy. Yeah, they look dope, uh, but it stinks, you know. He's he's coming for you. It's like a beautiful woman, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> that in that she's coming for you, or uh... they look dope. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> and yet, but they'll get your ass. <laughs> don't do it. Um. And each each animal has a Merc rating on it. <laughs> like, uh, it's just awesome, man. I love the world that we're currently living in, where like you you can have books and things like this that are like this is probably one of the not one of the first, but like because of TikTok and meme culture and stuff, like this type of thing is now in the real main lexicon, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> What'd you say? A Merc rating? Yeah. That's hilarious. So it's like, uh, 
uh, I can't imagine 15 years ago there's a, a hundred animals that can fucking kill you book, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, uh, or not even kill you that can end you straight up. I'm trying to think of like the animal that I'm most afraid of. Like I'm pretty afraid of big cats. <clears throat> there's a lot of big cats on this guy. Oh uh, uh, yeah. Big cats could end you. You know what else could end you? Small cats. It's if only they were able to, you know, they found, uh, they found like a, a, uh, a bear like near here recently. Bears pretty rough. Uh, yeah, I've seen the revenant. (laughs) Yeah. The, um, I think that I am scared of like, I mean, I'll never run into them, so it's not a problem, but like hippos are scary. Yeah, hippos are hippos are tough. Uh because they just don't they don't care at all. Um and they're like they are uninterested <laughs> in not caring, you know? Yeah, uh, um the, there's spiders. Spiders also a rough one. Spiders uh, are terrifying. Oh, on this thing they got the uh African wild dogs. <laughs> African wild dogs? Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah uh, I would rather get killed by bears than dogs. I think. Yeah, maybe. I think if so. You're, if you're definitely going to die. Yeah. If, if I'd rather be attacked by dogs than bears, because I feel like I could <laughs> more easily maybe. beat up a dog than beat up a bear, right? Yeah. But if it's definitely going to kill me, I think I'm going with a bear, because I, 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 you'd probably die faster. You know what I mean? Oh, gorilla is terrifying. I don't want to mess with a gorilla. Oh uh, sure, yeah. I there, <laughs> I think uh, grizzly bear is on here. Obviously, um, you know what I'm most afraid of the the animal that I'm most afraid of. Republicans. Ah, uh, there he is. <laughs> it took me a while to cue that song and, up. <laughs> And much, much like our uh, podcast subject today, you'll find out man is the most dangerous. <laughs> oh, you know, I was, I was. Uh, that's why I brought up spiders and like, cause I was, yep. I was like queuing up the song. <laughs> Give me the song. Where did um, I put the Todd Show song? <laughs> so anyway, a uh, hundred animals that can fucking end you. It's a book I highly recommend on audiobook. Uh, it's a real easy listen. Uh, it's breezy. It's very funny. Uh, and also stay away from, uh, the blue ringed octopus. <laughs> that dude's TikTok is good. Um, but he's like, I, I, I don't get on TikTok very often, but he's one of the guys I follow. Um, his style's cool. He's a really funny guy and it's actually really informative. So, um, and I haven't caught him on any bullshit yet. I'm sure he's been wrong before, but I haven't caught him on any bullshit on the because t- everyone TikTok is just full of people who don't know anything about what they're talking about, talking very confidently about what they're talking about the, a subject. Yeah, um, well, because the videos are only a minute long, so you only have to sound confident for forty-five seconds to a minute. Yeah, know? and if you like, they think if you're making a video, you're inherently like knowledgeable about what you're talking about. Like this whole Idaho murder thing, the 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 TikTok sphere has get run with it, and to the point where it's like. They were just straight up, just steady accusing just anybody in town. Like it was crazy. <laughs> right. Um, and then nobody had this guy who did it, uh, who seemingly did it. But have you been following that at all? A little bit. Um, 
crazy story, man. I don't want to get too far into it, but yeah, it was in the town I was in. I'm I'm glad you were not uh, stabbed in your sleep. I'm glad I wasn't arrested for it. Like yeah, I don't care yes. about. It. I'm not going to get stabbed. You know, like I'll beat yeah. that guy up, but uh, I got I got I got I got sharp elbows. Uh, I I wanted to uh, I wanted to bring up one other thing that we never touched on. That's probably old news now. Um, did you you are familiar with the Jay Leno uh, got in an accident? <laughs> he lit his face on fire. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Now let me say that that yeah, yeah, is not know, funny. Yeah, I think I, I think I'm on fire. Yeah, like <laughs> that's my Jay Leno. <laughs> yeah. To like, I'm glad Jay Leno's okay. Uh, that sucks. It is ironic to me, however, that had that happened to someone else in the late nineties, there's a whole week of Jay Leno monologues. This is the oh, exact yeah. sort of thing that it, on jaywalking he would have brought up and then laughed about. Uh, yeah. to the to the nation, you know, <laughs> like his own. You know, you know, he uh, he got a new girlfriend. Uh, she said his, you know, his. His body's nice, but his face is on fire. <laughs> <laughs> right, Kevin? <laughs> and then it's a... <laughs> and that, that was good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Laffinitos, you know? Dancing, dancing Judge Edos. Um, yeah, so, what was yeah, Dancing Edos and Jay Leno thing? Was that, yeah. was that, yeah, was that Leno? That was Leno. I, so, uh, it just struck me when I read it, like, okay, this is entirely a thing that Leno would make fun of if it didn't happen to him. doesn't mean that it should have happened to him. I'm glad he's okay. Yeah. But it's definitely uh, ironic to me. You know? Yeah, a lot of people in comedy don't like Jay Leno. Um, he's, uh, uh, he hasn't been the best, like for a guy who put a lot of comedians on his show and gave them a lot of exposure and stuff, he, he doesn't have the best reputation for like pulling guys up. Yeah. And like uh paying guys and stuff like that, but um and taking care of guys. But some people love him and he doesn't like I don't know, he seems like an inoffensive guy and uh it really sucks that he just freaking lit himself on fire. Uh yeah, and he just he, went home. Uh he's he is not a dude that I would probably want to hang out with. I'm I'm forever on uh the team Conan part of that situation. Oh yeah. Um and Leno seems like a like a psychopath. Like uh, I think it's called The Late Shift. Uh, it's a book that I, an audio book I listened to about the Jay Leno David Letterman uh, thing for the late for the Tonight Show. It's really good, but it sort of details how far Leno will had went to become the guy <laughs> to take that Tonight Show job. Uh, and the how first hard time, he came. yeah. Um, after Carson retired, like yeah. how hard he how hard he campaigned for it, and how much he wanted it, and like he heard that they were in a room making the decision about it, so he went and hid in the janitor's closet for like eight hours so he could spy on their meeting, <laughs> uh, like just his crazy. Chin, his chin was sticking out, so they had. Oh, yeah, is they, that you? They, no, they, mind your business. <laughs> Dantaguitos, um, <laughs> and. Uh, he there is a little bit he sh he should wear a little bit of the like being a hack sort of thing, but being a late night show host is also hard. So I don't uh I don't know how much of that is like 
you know, he wrote a new monologue every night, even if some of the jokes were hacky. He, and he know. had some funny jokes, man. Like I, I, I don't just, I don't just like Jay Leno for that. Like, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not happy that his face got on fire. <laughs> as funny uh, as it is to say, uh, the book he's, is he called. He seems to look okay. Like, it yeah, I, he seems fine now. He doesn't look disfigured just, or anything. Uh, the book is called The Late Shift by Bill Carter. It's really good. Uh, and then he wrote one for the Conan. Uh, Jay Leno thing called The War for Late Night, which was also uh, very good. Oh, I bet that's very interesting. I, I yeah. just remember the video. Uh, the last week of Conan was one of my favorite uh, television things ever. Yeah, I, I blowing, didn't miss a day. Blowing like, up expensive stuff and yeah, fake the, using NBC's money. To, he got a, a Bugatti Veyron mouse. That was like their new bit where he got the most famous car, the most expensive car in the world and turned it into a yeah. mouse just to spend NBC's money. Yeah. And then like they do the bit where like uh, it's it's them pulling up to the uh, to the studio and uh, they're they're getting shot at by snipers and stuff <laughs> like it was yeah. great. The, the TV was good. The rest of it stinks. But yeah, the, for sure. You know. Um, and then he went on the legally, legally. Uh, not uh, allowed to be on television tour. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The the I had the documentary. I bought the, I think it's called Can't Stop. Oh, cool. Uh, that's And it's really good. I haven't watched it in a long time, but it's an interesting look at uh, Conan, who I think one of the more brilliant uh, comedic minds. I'm not splitting the atom you know oh but yeah like, i mean he wrote Conan, the monorail episode yeah he's a legend for uh like his remotes whenever like for making tbs really funny like uh taking taking all of his leverage from nbc and then going on to tbs and then having an incredibly funny show for like 15 more years yeah and, and he he it's it's crazy like how long and how unique he's been like Conan is just the stand. Well, Conan and Letterman Letterman was, I, I freaking love David Letterman. Uh, yeah. will it float? Oh man. The first time I saw, will it float as a kid? I was just yeah. like, Oh, you can do anything on TV and it can be funny. Like you just wondering if something can float and then you make this, <laughs> you make a lot of production around it. Will it float? Will it float? Like right. the, all the pomp just... and circumstance around this very stupid thing. <laughs> yeah. Is, is what makes it funny. and then three seconds to find out if it floats or not you know yeah. um yeah i i i miss those guys uh more them less james fewer james cordons be cool. yeah even though uh i like the head writer for cordon uh you know i'm not uh, i never watch his show so. who's his head writer ian carmel oh yeah i want to fight ian carmel so we're we're, right. <laughs> we're on different paths we're on um, different paths yeah. uh uh, you know where you could have fought him? UFC one. UFC one. The beginning. Let's get that theme song. There's no weight classes. Yeah, there there is no. <laughs> he probably does outweigh me by like a hundred pounds, easy. Yeah. Uh, but let's get that theme song.
Welcome to Star Marks, everybody. We're a wrestling retrospective podcast. We are not a wrestling retrospective podcast. <laughs> God damn it! I'm trying to cuss less. We are we are a retrospective podcast from the Central Valley of California. I'm Andrew. That's Dusty. Following us on the socials uh, at Snark Marks Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Dusty's at Snark Mark D on Twitter. Uh, I am at Andrew Idell on Instagram. I D E L L. Uh, a lot of people can't spell my name. Even though most a lot of you know me, <laughs> figure it out. Um, we uh, we 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 are a, kind of a hybrid podcast. We did only wrestling for uh, about eighty-two episodes, something like that, and we're going to continue to do wrestling. But we're also doing a lot of other things. And one of the things that we're going to do is MMA because uh, that's something that I'm very passionate about, and Dusty Dusty's pretty passionate about, and uh, uh, the, the history of the UFC and MMA in general is. Uh, captivating and it's it's crazy and it's it's ever-changing and it, and it goes so fast because it's a relatively young sport there's a lot of hyperbole and a lot of things that are like made up like what the the event that we talk about today is not the first mixed martial arts event like it just isn't like the, the it, it might be the first time the, like in america it might have been the introduction for a lot of people but there's a lot of stuff happening pancrase had been around like there were there's I don't know if there's a definitive first mixed martial arts event out there. I mean, I'm sure there were mixed martial arts things in freaking Japan in the sixth century. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but well, this if you was, believe Frank Dukes, there's the Kumite. Sure. So, yeah, yeah, that is true. Uh, so, so and this is this is just, but I'm not going to minimize the events of November twelfth, nineteen ninety three, which is uh, UFC one, um, because it is. Uh, one of the biggest, if not the biggest, moment uh, in martial arts in the past hundreds of years, maybe. I don't think it's crazy to say that. Yeah, um, I would. I would say, like the UFC is not the first one, but I would say that up until this point, it is clearly the biggest one. Yeah, and it's the like, start. It really is the start of something. Right. Nobody's talking about Pancrase 1, you yeah. know. Like, uh, surely there were mixed martial arts tournaments. Before this, there's kickboxing tournaments. There's probably hybrid-style uh, fights. I mean, Antonio Inoki fought Muhammad Ali in Japan. Yeah. You know, and, and that did huge numbers. It was a terrible fight because Inoki <laughs> laid on his back and just kicked Muhammad Ali in the quad for like the duration of the fight essentially. But like there there had been attempts at this, but I would say that this is probably to my knowledge the most well organized one up until this point, which is crazy because this is not very well organized at all. Well, uh, yeah, and, and it's the beginning of what became the biggest organization. <clears throat> it's the spark of the it's the true biggest spark in the revolutionizing the revolution of uh, martial arts and of yeah. combat sports um, because uh, you know as a lot of people a lot of there are still people in the world who who see MMA as like human cockfighting and this this whole thing where it's um, you know uh, uncivilized barbaric all these things but it is still in terms of martial arts, in terms of combat sports, it is the ultimate all-around test for 
um, fight sports. And this was the beginning of that. Um, it's the it's the Nintendo of fight sports. Yeah. You know, like there's Xbox, there's PlayStation, there's all of this stuff. But to somebody that doesn't know anything about it, they'll just call it Nintendo, you know, like your grandma. That's this. Yeah, it's the it's Kleenex. The, right. It's the Hulk. It's the WWF <laughs> of uh, of MMA, where it's just like, that's the one. If anybody knows anything about it, they know the letters UFC, you know. Absolutely. And, and um, so we watched this. We watched the show, but we want to talk a little bit about the story behind this. Um, I watched. <clears throat> I knew a lot of this, but I wanted to. Um, I wanted to refresh my memory a little bit. I watched two documentaries on uh, Fight Pass. Um, one of them was it's called The Beginning: The Story of UFC One. <clears throat> And then the other one um, is was the UFC 20th anniversary documentary. I only watched the part in which they talked about UFC 1. I didn't have time to watch the whole thing, and it wasn't pertinent to this episode. Um, but, yeah, we got we to gotta talk about how this all came to be because it's kind of a interesting um, story because, the you know, the, the, there's – jiu-jitsu is basically what started all of this. Um, yeah. There was a um, there was jujitsu developed in Japan, and the 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 story goes that um, this guy named Mitsuyo Maeda uh, is is in Japan. Um, he came to Brazil. He moved to Brazil, and uh, he the the somebody in the Gracie family uh, helped him kind of settle down um, in Brazil in Rio de Janeiro. So in in he was a jujitsu master, and in return. He traded. Um, he taught the grace, like the guy's sons, how to, uh, this jujitsu, these jujitsu techniques. Um, one of those sons is Helio Gracie, um, who is Hoist Gracie's dad, uh, Horian Gracie's dad, Hickson Gracie's dad. Um, the, these these legends of the of the beginning of um, of MMA and of jujitsu in general, and. Um, but for the beginning of the UFC, as Dusty, I know you did a little bit, a bit of research. As you know, for this particular story, we focus on Horian and Hoyce. Yeah, um, Horian and Hoyce, and then a guy named Art Davy. Yes. Uh, who was the like a friend of the Gracies, who's a uh, ad and marketing guy, and he, he sort of with Horian comes up with this idea because the Gracies are based out of California and they had been doing uh garage challenges according to UF uh, according to Wikipedia like basically saying like jujitsu beats all like we'll we'll fight anybody and our fighting technique and our fighting system is so superior that we'll take on anybody of any discipline and beat them yeah so um Corian is like I said he's he's Helio's son um, Helio Gracie is a uh, kind of a maniac. Um, like he said, uh, Helio Gracie was married twice, I think twice, but he said himself, he, um, he's, he, I never loved any woman because love is a weakness and I don't have weaknesses. <laughs> and he, Helio Gracie is the type of guy. I, I, I'm pretty sure he only like, he believed in only like sex only for procreation. Like he's an interesting character. Um, but he like was, um, apparently a legendary 
teacher. Um, like he took the the techniques and he revolutionized them for smaller fi people. Like yeah. Brazilian jiu-jitsu is different from the Japanese jiu-jitsu. And so he taught his sons and Horian um, got his law degree and then decided that he was going to move to California to spread jiu-jitsu in the United States. And um, the Gracies coming to the United States is so big because it started all this. The Gracies now, there's certain things that like some Gracies are like, giving away black belts via online classes and like it's very it's gotten the yeah. gracie gracie monetization has gotten very weird but at the well, beginning and the name it's because the names hold so much weight yeah like, and well and it's kind of like the von erics where there's been non-gracie gracies and there's been yeah. like just people calling themselves gracie and then honorary gracies and like well, all and these in, internal splits in the family even at ufc one there's like a there's starting to be a split in the family <laughs> And that's why Horian picks one of the reasons Horian picks Hoyce uh, is is because he's still under the umbrella that uh, that he that he's teaching under instead of one of the other Gracie offshoots. Yeah, and uh, so that's the thing. Horian will always tell you that Hoyce was picked because Hoyce was the smallest. Um, there might have been a little bit to that, and I think there's a little bit to that because if Hoyce loses, they can say, "Well, you didn't beat Hickson." Uh, like right, and Hickson also it shows the the like their big selling point is you can be small and look at how you take like you can fight anybody and beat anybody because our because of our system. So that's also the thing is like uh, I I watched a YouTube video I'll tell you about in a minute, but like it's not that the fix was in, but it's like Hoist is basically designed to win this tournament. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. They, like, this it's was, for the Gracies. They gave Helio a, a an award at the thing. So like, yeah. uh, and he kind of got booed, which is hilarious. But um, so Art Davy finds out about these guys, these 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 Gracies, um, and he he apparently takes some classes. Like he learns, uh, he starts learning a little bit of jujitsu. He starts to figure yeah. out, and he finds out about the Gracie Challenge, which is a legendary thing that um, you know, uh, brilliant tactic by Horian and um and the, the Gracies that, that did it where it's basically like you do some other thing you come with your taekwondo you think you can beat a jiu-jitsu guy all right meet me in the gym and we'll fight and yeah. they did they taped they videotaped a lot of them and they did a lot, a lot of like a garage fights and um so Art Davy was like okay what 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 if we can build this thing and it's it's the cliche thing that everybody talks about when it comes to UFC and UFC one specifically where it's like the, the age old question of what martial art beats the other martial arts, because one of the best things that UFC ever did was to uh, kill the, the kind of like, <laughs> that's a, sorry guys kill the kind of like Bruce Lee lore. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Bruce Lee was a bad motherfucker. Like he's a bad dude. Like he was, he was probably a good fighter, but he didn't play ping pong with nunchucks. I'm sorry guys. Right. That's not real. <laughs> Right. He 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 was never really in any real fighting tournaments. We don't know if he was a great fighter when it comes to that stuff. Um, he was good at technique, and he he looked cool. You know, he's a good actor or whatever. But yeah. and was um, fucking ripped. Yeah, <laughs> like, but like he was. He's the guy you put on a poster, and I'm sure Bruce. But look, Bruce Lee kicked my ass. Oh certainly. yeah, he'd wrap me in a pretzel and make me cry and poop my pants. But like, yeah. does he beat Ken Shamrock? And that, so, like, that's the question. And, like, um, 
the back in the day in the in the 80s and early 90s it was always like oh karate is like karate everybody if you can you karate will beat everybody you can just chop a guy in the neck and he falls dead and all that right and um so even horian was like was talking about how people would be like uh like with ufc one horian's talking about how guys he wanted to eliminate the guys that would be like oh i uh I, I, I can't go in there because they won't let me do my deadly strike that'll kill somebody instantly. And Horian's <laughs> right. like, come do your strike. Like, it's allowed. There's there's no rules. You're allowed right. to do that. So come, let's try that out. Because there were so many hucksters back then that uh, it was time to weed those guys out. And unfortunately, those hucksters still exist. Like now, where there's guys doing fake martial arts where they're channeling chi energy and they're doing all this bullshit uh, because they've never been in a situation where somebody's going to actually punch them in the face. Yeah. And, um, but this was the first time where we were challenging that. And, uh, so Art Davey got a hold of <coughs> an entertainment company ran by Bob Meyerowitz. Um, I think BSE or something like that. I wrote it down. What are they called? SEG. SEG. Yeah. And, uh, they were ran by Bob, Bob Meyerowitz and uh, a guy named Campbell McLaren worked for them. And Campbell McLaren is a maniac. Uh, he is a he is a maniac promoter. Like he he wanted uh, he, he wanted to put barbed wire, uh, like razor wire, around the yeah. octagon. Um, they talked about putting um, uh, a moat with alligators and sharks around the octagon. Like, look, dude, I pay. I'll pay for it. <laughs> Listen, it probably would, it probably would have sold pay-per-views, but uh yeah. so these guys were able to get distribution and get get uh get uh funding for what became UFC 1. Um and then they Art Davey found the perfect place to do it, Denver, Colorado, because Colorado didn't have an athletic commission and yeah. had a loophole in the rules that allowed for bare knuckle bo- bare knuckle fighting. Um, it was not easy to find a place to, that allowed that stuff back in the day. It's still not easy, thankfully. Yeah. Well, and another guy, a quick shout out, um, was the, so you have on the one hand you have the Gracies who want to take, like, make no mistake, the Gracies understand the the publicity and they understand the marketing that they're trying to do here. They're trying to get jujitsu out. Uh, to the world because outside of Brazil and Japan, that's part of this tournament. No one knows what jujitsu is. Nobody understands it because it looks the opposite of every karate movie you've ever seen. Uh, you know, it looks it doesn't look anything like what Bruce Lee or Chuck Norris or <laughs> Seagal or any of those guys do. So they want it to take over because it's a legit fighting system. So they're in it for that. And Art Davies is. A little bit of the razzle dazzle, but he's not fully like on the razzle dazzle. So they get uh, John Millis, uh, I think is how you say his name, who was one of Horian's students, was also the guy who directed Conan the Barbarian. So, like, it's his yes. idea that the fight should take place in like a cage, in like an octagonal sort yeah. of cage. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, there was a. That's a good. That's a good pull because uh, the the idea of the octagon itself came from Conan the Barbarian, right? And it, so that's the like, and you have to, you would have to know that in 1993, like, 
the because uh, I was you know I'm almost ten years old then like the convergence of all of these things like Street Fighter Two the video game Mortal Kombat the video game Bloodsport Best of the Best all of these movies and video games are coming out that are about oh it's a sumo fighter versus a karate guy or it's uh this you know Wang Chung kung fu versus like <laughs> you know blanca the green monster who lives in the amazon or whatever like this idea of one-on-one -on -one tournaments that are to the death for you know essentially are, are a big thing and i think that the you know the conan the barbarian guy was the guy who kind of was selling like nobody just wants to see dudes on mats wrestle like a jiu-jitsu tournament like we need spectacle for this yeah. thing to really work and like the way that it works is that we sell it as basically blood sport but for real you know mm -hmm. and that's that's the good idea because some like very little of this looks like the ufc now but the big the big ideas stick like the octagon looks cool as shit <laughs> like you've never seen anything that looks like that and it's actually functional like which is cool about it and it's uh the 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 Gracies themselves were kind of instrumental in this not happening in a ring with ropes um because they've the Gracies had experience trying to do jujitsu uh in a mixed mixed rules fight um with ropes and essentially anytime they'd start to get a hold of somebody the guy would just dive through the ropes out of the ring um so keeping them enclosed i think that's a that's a a fundamental tenant in mixed martial arts. And I uh, think it's great. Um, if you ask Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan thinks that they should fight on a basketball court, basically like, like no walls at all um, right. because he likes to have wacky um, unpractical opinions and act like he doesn't understand why they're stupid opinions. Uh, he does it for a lot of different things. Um, and he was like, he he th he thinks it should be unlimited space, like where there's no walls at all. Um, but I think the octagon, in, in if you stay within practicality, um, it doesn't have to be an octagon. There's guys that have done circles. There's done guys that have done like uh, d different shapes, but um, it's pretty perfect. Um, yeah. And it's pretty cool that they got it got that right the first time. Basically, I think it's gotten taller. Um, but and the, I think the fencing's probably different. The yeah, it was more like now. netting this time, but it's it's yeah. it's different now. And um, but like the basic idea of it is the it has been good, has been solid the whole way through. And yeah. I think the other thing, maybe unconscious or consciously, is like you don't want it to look like a ring because a ring invokes wrestling and boxing, and yeah. that's not what this is. You know, and wrestling, everybody knows wrestling's fake and everybody knows the boxing's been fixed. Well, we and boxing's like a, limited. Right. We want to look like a completely different thing. We want this to you know? look like a fight. Like this isn't, this isn't the sweet science. This is a fight. And yeah. that's the crazy thing is there's certain things about what you'll see about the beginning of the UFC that really hurt the sport in certain ways because there was a while after this where they were chasing regulation or, or escaping regulation. They would, they, yeah. they would have to like, there was a show that they moved to Dothan, Alabama at the 11th hour. And like, there's, there was a, they were going to get shut down and John McCain was trying to shut them down. And like 
um, because of a lot of the ways that they marketed this, the, the shows like Campbell McLaren, like I said, is a freaking maniac. So like yeah. at certain times he runs Combate America now, uh, he still runs a, uh, a, um, I think that's in Brazil. He, he still runs a fighting organization. Very interesting guy, but like he's a promoter. So like for a while they were saying the only ways that a fight can stop is by, uh, submission, doctor stoppage, the the fighter becoming unconscious, uh, or death. <laughs> like they yeah, well, in, in, intentionally included death. <laughs> right. They this the Campbell McLaren uh, is noted for wanting it to be like Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Like he wanted people to tune in, believe because, uh, you know, Andrew was making fun of it earlier, but like a mystique around martial arts still existed, where it's like. I don't know. Could he rip this dude's head off? Yeah. <laughs> like if, if he were, if he were good enough at karate or, you know, you, you break, just pull his Adam's apple out of his throat and his, yeah, his you, mind you comes out with it. Shove his nose, his, his, uh, nose, nose into, his, into brain. his brain. Yeah. yeah like <laughs> all that shit that I heard when I was a kid, there's the heart punch and the, like, you know, yeah. you don't know. And that's what there's, that's for better or worse. What they're trying to sell you on pay-per-view is like, Hey, the, all this other stuff is horseshit. You, a dude could literally die <laughs> in this fight because we don't care. We'll let them do anything they want, you know. Yeah, if, because if if for to, for better or for worse, it's real, right? And um, that that so that's why that unfortunately that reput reputation still precedes them, um, to certain members of the public. I don't understand how. In certain respects, some people still see the, the the sport as this. I think there are some people who are, which I, this I do understand. There are certain people who are pacifists to that level, right? Like I'm a pacifist, except sure. I love fight sports. Right. Like I don't like violence in any way outside of fight sports, uh, but I love fight sports. Like the, yeah. the, and it's not necessarily because of the violence. Like I like the will. I like the 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 risk that these guys are taking the, the they're putting it out all on the line and it could go very 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 badly like these right. guys i admire their bravery of, above anything you know well and it's the purest form of sport like it really there's is no ball, yeah. there's no ball there's no bat there's no end zone there's no it's just two people facing off with just their skills and like there are rules because there have to be rules but it's as close as you can get to like pure sport yeah like, it's just you versus another person yeah and, and like that's it there are rules because nobody wants to watch somebody doubt somebody like another guy's eye well i'm not right. i guess i can't say nobody but you know what i mean <laughs> right um, you can't have a legitimate sport that is also that yeah even you know? in this first ufc they announced it as no rules but the, there were two rules no eye gouging no biting yeah and uh there are no judges scores and there are unlimited five minute rounds with a rest period. Uh, ironically, they didn't need any of those rules for this first one, but yeah, kind of surprising for me that, that I didn't realize that until I looked it up. I thought that it was unlimited time. I didn't yeah, know. I didn't know, I didn't know that <laughs> I didn't know there were rest periods either. I thought it was unlimited time either, but I, I thought it was unlimited time too. I'm surprised none of the fights went longer um, to an extent because I, I'm not surprised some of these guys got tired as all get out. Um, yeah. But I am 
I am surprised there wasn't, especially since, but the, I think I, and I think I can actually think of why is the grappling exchanges, the, the fights that went to the ground, they were over quickly because it was either Hoist Gracie or Ken Shamrock was involved when the fight went to the ground. And if it was, if it was Hoist Gracie, he's going to finish it quickly. If it's Ken Shamrock and he's not wrestling Hoist Gracie, He's gonna finish it quickly. You know what I mean? Right. So, uh, um, yeah, I. Interesting. Uh, to your point, I also, um, I understand if you have zero interest in watching combat sports because it doesn't appeal to you, or you have a moral objection to it. That's fine. Um, I don't understand a lot of sports writers and sports columnists who have some sort of like aversion to MMA but will talk to me ad nauseum about how great boxing is and uh, like yeah one... who's that who's that guy he has the really famous podcast and he uh he uh he's from Miami he's got Stu Gotts on his podcast what's his is it Dan name? Lebitard is Dan Lebitard yeah he's yeah. like a super anti MMA guy but he's also like a hot take guy right so um some guys well, some guys are just like uh, Tony Kornheiser is like that. He loves boxing, but he's like, I've, MMA is a <laughs> violent, brutal sport, like cockfighting sport. And I'm like, dude, it, <laughs> one thing is MMA is better. It's just better. It is better. Like it's boxing better. Yeah. comparatively is incredibly boring. Yeah. Um, and as Nate Diaz once said, losing a bi- losing a boxing match is like losing a basketball. It's not a real sport. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love and, ideas, and, and I but... want to be on the record. I'm sure you'd agree with me. Great boxing fights are awesome. Like I love, I love boxing. Um, it's just not the same. It's just yeah, like once you can introduce a dude kicking another dude, that's it. Boxing almost loses its appeal to me. Uh, if I if I have to one on one, if there's MMA on or there's boxing on, it almost doesn't matter to me how great the boxing fight is. I'll watch mediocre MMA versus really good boxing but that might just be me uh yeah it depends it depends for me there's certain guys like uh i don't miss a tyson fury fight i watched i've watched tyson fury fights while doing this podcast um but uh yeah i overall i'm i am definitely pro mma i do i I also like kickboxing kickboxing is a lot of fun too but nothing Uh, nothing beats mma for me so the, the women, dinosaurs, and the violence of the octagon. <laughs> That's it. For that, me. Yeah, just so everybody knows that was a that was a GSP on the on the Joe Rogan experience before Joe Rogan died. Uh, uh, he, I can't remember how he said it. He said something like, "You know, there are three things in life that make him excited: yeah. women, dinosaurs." And the violence of the octagon. <laughs> no, three things in his life that he's passionate about. Yes. Yeah, like Women, dinosaurs, <laughs> and the violence of the octagon. It was one of the greatest lines of all time. Uh, all right. So that's it for me for the for the ramp up here. Do you have anything else background wise? Uh, I don't think so. That's that's about it. I, I Art Davy is a very interesting guy. Um if you haven't seen him, um just think of a boxing promoter. And he's got a, uh, he's one of these guys with a fedora that's like, uh, like a little like angled. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? He's, he's a promoter that looks like that. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Um, uh, let me see if there's anything else. 
that's good that, that I and it sucks because I took two two lists of notes because I was watching the documentary and then I was watching the show. Um, they uh, all, all just letting you guys know all of the uh, records uh, at UFC one are guesses. <laughs> They they just let the guy say what their record was. One guy says he's two hundred fifty and zero. Uh, I have that note. Yeah, uh, and uh, R. Jimerson said a really funny thing about his first fight that I don't want to forget. So I'm just making it known right now. Um, oh, uh, at first at first they said that they uh, uh, that there were no rules, but then guys started taping their whole hands. Like Art Art was it Art Jimerson? No, Zane. Uh, I can't remember his last name. Zane something. He he. Zane Smith or something like that. He, yeah. he fought in this. His 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 initial plan was to tape his whole fist and then put it in water and leave it for like two days so it turned into a cast. Look, if there are no rules. <laughs> yeah. So like he showed up thinking he was gonna do that, yeah. and they made him cut his tape off, and he was so pissed. What do you mean I can't bring a gun in the octagon? <laughs> yeah, goddamn it. You said there were no rules. Uh yeah, there's a little bit of uh chicanery around the uh what people were allowed and not allowed to wear or have as athletic gear yeah. in the uh in the first UFC. There was a meeting the night before the show where they went over all of it and people <laughs> it apparently almost went to blows because they were gonna let Hoyce use his gi. But then they were like, Ken Shamrock can't have kick pads or he can't have shoes uh, for kicking. And it became this whole big thing. And then the rumor is that the sumo guy basically signed on the dotted line and said, I came here to party. <laughs> Anybody that wants to party, beat me in the octagon tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is badass. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I have this as taking place from the McNichol Sports Arena, Denver, Colorado. Uh, November the 12th, 1993, there are 7,800 people in attendance for this event. Uh, it did 86,000 buys on pay-per-view at a 1495, uh, clip. Which by the way, they considered a massive success. Like they, they, that number excited them to all, to no end. Um, Well, for a completely unproven concept. Yeah. Like with a bunch of guys, like nobody knows who Hoist Gracie is. No, no one knows who Ken Shamrock is. Like it's, you're basically, you're again, it's selling the concept that like dudes are going to fight to the death. Yeah. You know, it's real life blood sport. And so for 15 bucks a pop, that's pretty good. You know, even in 1993 money, like that's a yeah. cheap pay-per-view. Uh, the, the money was a thousand dollars to show, uh, except for Art Jimerson who got paid 20 grand because that was part of his uh, appearance fee really? because he was a, he's a really well-known boxer. Yeah. And so they were like, we're taking the 20, you have to pay us 20 grand. Uh, so otherwise there's a thousand to show second place wins 15,000 and first place wins the $50,000 uh, big check at the end. And uh, wouldn't you know who won the pony on, yeah. this, on this one? Um I like that they got the big bold, the buff bald guy logo right away. Another win for the UFC. Yeah, the branding was pretty good. The branding yeah. was pretty good. The um, the <laughs> the logo was good. Um, it seemed exciting. The they didn't nail the announcer choices. Um, yeah. They got the the this and this this is the problem though. 
they got people except for Jim Brown who didn't know anything <laughs> about what he was talking about. Yeah. Uh, he was a he was a, one of these things is not like the other. But um, the the main guy Bill Wallace I think is his name. Um, yeah. He was obviously knowledgeable. Well, he's like um, a famous martial artist. Yeah, he was a Taekwondo yeah. expert, I believe. Yeah. And um, he he even you could tell with some of the things he said that he knows jujitsu a little bit. Um, yeah. With uh, he he understood some of the techniques. He, he was like, uh, you know, Hoist is going to try to do this. He's going to try to get his head up, like all these different things. Um, and then they had I can't remember. Unfortunately, I didn't write her name down. The female. Uh, Kathy Long is Kathy Long. She was a badass uh, kickboxer, um, five-time karate kickboxing champion. Well, and apparently her and Bill Wallace uh, would get go back and forth in the papers or something like that. Essentially, like essentially what would be like a Twitter beef um, now about Bill Wallace didn't think that women should fight or something like that. Ouch. Yep. Um, and. Uh, and I can't remember the exact thing. I can't remember if that was sure. exactly. It was something about women fighting. But um, so that's why he was like, at one point he's like, uh, Kathy, what would your what would your um, strategy be here? And she's like, well, you know, I'd start to. And he's like, you're pretty small. <laughs> he cut her off. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, but I think they went for expertise, which I understand, and I'm glad they did. Um, I just wish <laughs> there <laughs> there was a. Uh, Moro Ronaldo type hype guy in there because there were yeah. some really hype moments that didn't get the hype that they, that it deserved just because there wasn't any actual hype guy in the booth, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think your your expertise is probably minimal. Like it's hard. It's going to be hard to find a guy that exactly. clicks all the boxes in 1993. Yeah. And but, so they, they aired on the side of knowledge, which I'm yeah. totally cool with. Um, well, and like you said, and Jim Brown, which is just, it's very strange. Uh, maybe because Jim Brown is renowned tough guy. Uh, yeah. You know, like uh, like the the most badass dude to ever play in the NFL and then retired after 10 seasons. And people are still like, maybe Jim Brown could suit up right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, so... Uh, it's interesting trying to watch this because I'm so familiar with what the UFC is now. And this is almost alien compared to what the UFC is now, aside from the very base elements of two dudes fighting in a cage. Uh, Cause our first fight is uh Talia or Talia, the sumo guy versus Gerard Gerdeau, who's a savat fighter. Um, and in no time at all, Gerard uh, hits an uppercut on Talia, who tried to like bum rush him at the beginning for a takedown. And then while he's against the fence, Gerard straight up kicks him in the face. <laughs> like, yeah, it was filthy. Uh, he 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 he. So this is sumo wrestler versus basically kickboxer essentially, yeah. and he uh, he rushes him. He falls. I don't know if much of anything la actually landed. Like he he, he landed yeah. something, but I think he just fell for the most part. And he starts to try to get up, and Godot just kicks him clean in the face, like which is an illegal strike in the UFC now. You and can't now, kick... yeah, but it was yeah. totally legal then. And there's a reason that it's illegal, uh, because immediately uh, the sumo guy's face is just destroyed, like. He knocked his teeth out. He cut him. He cut his eye, 
and they rush in immediately and they stop the fight. And uh, apparently this was a point of contention for Henson. Uh, Orion. The, or Horian because he was like, no, it's no rules. There is no ref stoppage. And the ref's like, what do you want me to do? He just kicked that dude in the face. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, they, so, so they doctor stoppage it like 20 seconds in. Yeah. That referee's name is Joao Barreto. Um, and he got fired for stopping that fight. Um, yeah. And, uh, but that's like a big moment in, um, UFC history because that kind of got the ball rolling for referee stoppages for more referee intervention, which also uh, eventually got the ball rolling for regulation. So like that stoppage is actually a big moment in UFC history, even though that dude got fired for that. Um, apparently he's kind of like a well-known guy in, uh, in the circles at the time. Well, um, and I believe they brought him in because he was familiar with jujitsu. Yeah. And so he would know how to uh, recognize the taps and all that sort of stuff. Because, like, everything that is commonplace now in MMA, again, is completely foreign at, at this event. Like, nobody knows the rules. Nobody knows what tapping out means in <laughs> uh, in Denver <laughs> on this night. You know, like, that's what's so interesting is, like, wrestling always resembled wrestling. Even if I go back and watch wrestling from the 50s, pro wrestling still has an inherent like language to itself. And like, this is watching an entire new sport be born, which is really the newest thing like this to happen. Like there is no other from the ground up built sport like this in the last, you know, whatever years. Yeah. It's interesting to think about like, was, were these guys more or less brave than a fighter who knew what was, what was going in? Cause like, were they ignorant thinking, oh yeah, I'm gonna go beat everybody's ass? Like were they yeah. were they Dr. Death Steve Williams? Or were they going in going, Man, I could die. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. I guess it depends on <laughs> their individual outlooks on things. Like I don't think um I don't think like uh like like we we uh who's the guy Oh man, I wish I I didn't write I wasn't I didn't do a great job of writing the names down. Um the guy who fought uh fights in the next fight. <laughs> There's uh Kevin Rozier or Kevin Rozier. Kevin Rozier okay. looks terrified. Like yeah. he is like but he, he seems like a cool guy later on. He seems like a nice guy. But <laughs> yeah. uh, he looks terrified when he's in the ring. Like he's pacing around and he's bouncing and all that stuff. Uh um, well, I also read that Shamrock thought that it was a work. Until they saw the sumo guy get kicked in the face. <laughs> and, they, and he was like, oh shit. Because like, a lot of pancrease is worked. Not all pancrease. Yeah, not all, but some. Like but Min, some uh, Min, Min, Minoru, Minoru Suzuki, I think his yeah. name is. Um, he fought in the first pancrease event. Um, and so uh, who knows if he fought, like, for, like, if it was a shoot yeah. fight or not. Well, but, and in Japan, there's like, it's a lot more accepted. Like, uh, the UWFI was a big, like, sort of shoot, worked uh, martial arts wrestling promotion over there where, like, they did some real fights and then they did some worked fights because they're trying to make money. Like, a lot of Bob Sapp stuff is, like, yeah. they're, it's for the the spectacle of if it. If you, you let know? Bob Sapp fight for real, guess what? Bob Sapp is going to get tired. 
Yeah, and so uh, our next fight is Zane Frazier versus Kevin Rozier. Rozier is 66 and 8 with 66 KOs. This might be my favorite fight. Uh, uh, <laughs> I love Kevin Rozier. It's, I mean, it's brutal. Like, it starts and Rozier just starts punching Zane. He just rushes him, bro. <laughs> And they're not wearing gloves, so it's just bare knuckle. He's just punching this dude in the face as he crumbles down. And then when when Zane is all the way down, Rozier starts soccer like stomping him <laughs> in the stomping head. On his head, yeah. And the and they throw the talon again in under like a minute. <laughs> well, it's, no, there was some back and forth in this one, wasn't there? My notes don't have it. There might have been a little bit. Hold on, I. It, but, if that was because uh, if I remember correctly, it was Rozier comes out like a bat out of hell. Yeah. Um, get, lands a bunch of shots. Uh, looks like he's got him. And then uh, hold on, I'm looking. Oh yeah this this fight goes four minutes. Four minutes and, and twenty seconds. seconds. Yeah. So, so there's, there's a, a little bit. Yeah. Zane Zane gets a comeback and he's hurting Kevin Rozier and Kevin Rozier starts to like get up backed up against the cage and all that stuff. And, uh, I think they're, they're both throwing leg kicks, I think. And, um, but then Zane just collapses and, yeah. uh, not even from like getting struck struck. He just like, and he, it turns out he said that he had an asthma attack and he, he ended up in the hospital with respiratory failure after this. Yeah. And, well, he uh, says that, uh, it's because of the smoke machines, the smoke machines and the elevation. Yeah. I was going to say, plus like, they're in Denver, <laughs> super high up in the air. Yeah. That like exacerbated his asthma. <laughs> and then, uh, like, but I will say that like this fight delivered what they were trying to sell. Like, oh, yeah, it's, it's completely brutal. And it looks like what a street fight would look like that first fight also brutal, but it's kind of over before it starts. Uh, you know, and so it doesn't have the same like energy to it. Uh, and this, then, was, then... this was the one where it was like back and forth. Like this was the yeah. one where it seemed like this was the closest thing to a real fight we got tonight uh, in, in uh, this event. The announcers talk about all the strikes <laughs> to the back of the head, which again would be illegal now. Yeah. <laughs> you can't rabbit punch somebody. Uh, and then they interview Kevin Rozier after, and he admits that he's just not a very good interview. <laughs> because uh, yeah. the, the guy's asking him these questions and he's just like yeah i don't know i don't know, <laughs> I don't know man i don't, I don't know, know man and then, <laughs> i like then, kevin rosier dude he's like i i had him about i knew i had him about 10 seconds before the end of the fight uh but Unfortunately, just watching, he, he passed away in 2015 uh rest in peace yeah uh, 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 uh respect but like those he had, he had a career two and six in america those head stomps are brutal. Like that's a le again, a level of like weird brutality that's you don't see in, in MMA now. So it's weird to see it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's... like kind of visceral to be like, Oh Jesus. Dude, like, well, yeah. On, and man. you can still watch like old, like old Jose Aldo fights where he's doing that to people. And like, uh, and, um, uh, Vanderlei with head stomps was a fucking demon. And like, yeah. The, like, like the pride like stuff, like pride, we'll, yeah. we'll eventually do a pride, a pride card. Um, I want to find the the consensus best pride card yeah. um, because pride was a different animal, man. And we got to watch Nick Diaz versus Takan Origomi in pride. That's one of the greatest fights of all time. Like the, there's some pride stuff that I really want to do because 
there's a reason that we do, we we I, I I shit on Meltzer for the Japan stuff. Yeah. But MMA at the Saitama Super Arena, this the way that Pride did it, like they made it a big event. Their posters were crazy. The announcers were crazy. Um, Pride Fighting Championships was insane. So like, yeah, we got to watch that. It. But there were head stomps and soccer kicks in Pride. Yeah. Um, I don't think there were elbows though, which is weird. But yeah, I don't um, know. Maybe. I don't think there were elbows, but I can't remember. Um, they and the, they they didn't like blood, so like when when somebody was bleeding, they'd like stop the fight for a while and get it like yeah. anyway. Um, Suplex a dude right on his head, but don't don't bleed. Yeah, that's uh, gross. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, and then we got Hoist Gracie versus, as uh, uh, Bill Wallace would call him, a boxing person, Art Jimerson. <laughs> did, did Bill Wallace call him a boxing person? Yeah. Um, they mentioned that Hoist is the lightest competitor at 6'1 and 180 pounds. Um, apparently, Jimerson is pretty legit. He's like, they announced him as the number 10 boxer in the light heavyweight division. Uh, 29 and five with 20 KOs and he's the notorious one glove guy. Yeah. Uh, which <laughs> I, bold I don't move, know, Jimerson. Yeah. It's just so stupid. Like, <laughs> and I think it's a lot of like inherent ignorance to the format of what this is. And also they don't have gloves. <laughs> so like, uh, Jimerson doesn't want to box bare knuckle because he has a legit boxing career and the uh, boxing bare knuckles, the easiest way to break your hand. Uh, you know, so, uh, they also announced Hoist is 51 and one, uh, there, this is sort of the earliest, I mean, it's the UFC one, but like the, the format that Hoist uses here is prototypical MMA. Like he uses a leg kick to set up his takedown and then he gets a double leg into side control into full mount immediately. And he's just top controlling Jimerson and Jimerson taps. Yeah. And... <laughs> this, this is what, this is what Jimerson, uh, this is the funny line that I was telling you that Jimerson had. Yeah. Uh, so there's, there's in one of the documentaries that I watched, uh, there's art Jimerson and Hoist Gracie now, like now or whenever they made the documentary watching that fight. Um, and, uh, when right when Gracie gets full mount, uh, Jimerson starts going like, "Okay, see, I didn't know this could happen." And then he goes, <laughs> and then he yeah. goes, "The my favorite line ever." He goes, "And right now, I'm starting. I'm I'm I have a I'm having a phobia." <laughs> <laughs> so he's talking about how yeah. he's basically saying, as soon as as soon as Hoist got on top of him, he panicked like he was terrified. Yeah. And he didn't know what to do. He didn't know that he could get into this position. And he, he just kept saying, I have a phobia at this point. I just <laughs> I just have a phobia. Well, uh, apparently, John McCarthy, who was at UFC 1, because he's a student of the Gracies, but wasn't the referee, uh, apparently told him backstage, like, you could get your arm broken, you could get your leg snapped in this thing, like, anything can happen. Yeah. And he apparently had, Jimerson had a fight, lined up with uh hitman hearns and so his management was like don't get hurt doing this thing and so i think all of that played into what is essentially jemerson tapping out from top control like <laughs> hoist is just on top of him and he and he taps out and uh, guess what that hearns fight never happened 
Right. Uh, uh, he, I'm looking at Jimerson's record. He never beat anybody good. Well, never. He never beat anybody like with a name. He at this point he was. I mean, he had a career. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not sure right. the guy, but like at this point, it looks like he was 28 and five in boxing. Um, with was quite a bit of finishes. Um, but anybody he fought that currently has a Wikipedia page, he lost to. Um, that's that's a that's a good uh, indicator. Yeah, and then he yeah. lost. Unfortunately, at the end of his career in 1997 to 2002, he lost nine fights in a row. Oof. Yeah, that's tough. But that's this is a this is a brutal sport. But um, yeah, unfortunately, like he he had a career. He had a decent career. This was his only UFC fight. Um, his only MMA fight, and uh, yeah, Art Jimerson. Yeah, um, they then we get to what the announcers are calling uh, the best fight of the day. They think uh, Ken Shamrock versus Pat Smith, uh, which is promoted as shoot fighting versus Taekwondo. Uh, I believe Bill Wallace calls them two strong boys of the mat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Bill Wallace, and, man, he's a poet. Yeah, um, and then they, they have, like, little vignettes on some of the guys, and Pat believes that he is the strongest, power powerfulest guy uh, in the tournament. Yeah, uh, and he says that he doesn't feel pain. <laughs> right, and that he is 250 and 0. <laughs> so, uh, Interesting character. Yeah, then the fight starts, and Shamrock immediately belly-to-belly suplexes him yeah. to the ground. Uh, and then he starts doing headbutts, which also look brutal because you can't headbutt people in the UFC now. Uh, but he has him on the mat and he's just fucking headbutting him <laughs> from top position. Uh, and then Shamrock uh, starts trying to go for like an, a knee bar or an ankle lock or something. And while that's going on, Shamrock's knee is wrapped up uh, and... Smith is like kneeing or is like elbowing his knee <laughs> like that's uh, in the wrap to try to get out of this submission and Shamrock cinches up the ankle lock and then Smith has to tap out and again it's it's over quick like yeah. the disparity of talent I don't want to badmouth Pat Smith but like Ken Shamrock's one of the best dudes in the world at this thing at this point and you can clearly tell, like, submissions are Shamrock's thing. And it turns out yeah. Pat Smith can feel pain. Um, yeah, yeah, because he's, he's tapping quite a bit. And then he tries to get up in Shamrock's face after yeah. the fight. And it's like, come on, man. This is a, that's a phenomenon of, like, guys that aren't used to being in sports where you can get submitted. They get embarrassed, so they get up yeah. and, like, they get mad. Uh, Pat Smith, one time... Um, <laughs> Uh, Bart Gunn would be happy to find out. TKO'd Butterbean in a mixed martial arts fight. <laughs> well, he got the ven- he got the vengeance for Bart Gunn. You yeah, know? and he um, his kickboxing record. I guess he was sixty six and eight. Um, what I'm seeing is anything that's li- like the fights that are actually listed on Wikipedia. He's one and one, two, three, four, five, one and five. Um, it looks like he had some like he was actually like a legit kickboxer he fought yeah, in ufc too he was from denver so i think that's why he was there yeah uh also but uh they interview ken after the fight and he says that 
uh, that was a lot easier than Japan. Uh, and then, <laughs> uh, then the, re the announcers are also trying to sell because people are so unfamiliar with the concept. Like they're trying to show like, Hey, he grabbed him by the ankle and twisted it. And that shit hurts. And that's why he submitted, uh, because again, to somebody that's uninitiated, it doesn't really look like anything is happening. Yeah, and it's know? it's very interesting. Um, the watching Shamrocks uh, like working that submission um, because you can tell it's not that refined of a technique. Yeah, like the guys who do leg locks now do it a lot more efficient and and a lot uh, differently. But um, it it was like. Uh, kind of like early heel hook. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, very interesting to watch it evolve. Well, and it's like Shamrock's the best guy at this, you know, or touted as the best guy. Yeah. And he's like struggling with the technique because it's not a well-used thing at this point, mm -hmm. you know. Um, our first semifinal, we've got Gerard Gardu versus Kevin Rozier. Um, Jim Brown just comes right out and says that he doesn't think Kevin's in very good shape. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this had elements of what I thought like a, a real, not, you know, quote unquote real fight, but like actual MMA sort of structure. Cause yeah. Gordeaux has a broken hand. Uh, he broke his hand on that other guy's head in the first fight. So it's a big head. Yeah. Uh, so he's doing like leg kicks to open and clearly, uh, Rozier's not prepared <laughs> for these and uh, he's just eating these leg kicks early in the fight and then he and then Gordo closes the distance and nails him with a kick to the face again uh, and then some nasty elbows and then w once uh, Rozier's down he stomps him on the stomach and they throw the towel in so it's like again everything most everything comes fast like once a guy's down, that's it. Yeah, and one thing I wanna I wanna point out is uh we've had a couple of instances of the corners throwing the towel in at the perfect time in this in this yeah. thing. <laughs> um I wish there was more of that in combat sports nowadays. Um now there's some stupid bullshit machismo that's attached to throwing in the towel um that gets a lot of guys hurt and hurt worse than they would have been. Um, there's a lot of fighters who tell their um, cornermen not to throw in the towel. There's um, Anthony Smith in the UFC actually. F uh, no, Anthony Smith uh, wouldn't let his guy throw in the towel and said he would fire the guy if he threw in the towel. Deontay Wilder actually fired his um, manager, I mean his, his trainer for throwing in the towel um, and protecting him. Um, when when um, Tyson Fury was beating him up really bad, like uh, it's just like the pride that these guys have now, and the this stupid machismo. Like back then, it was like, look, you're doing this. You came here wanting to win. This is we're gonna we're we're gonna like obviously you want to protect your legacy and all that, but let's protect your brain. Yeah. Let's let's not get you killed tonight. You well, know, for a thousand bucks, like <laughs> that's another point. Yeah, that's a good point. And they don't know if this is going to be a big thing. Like this isn't going right. to be. You know, if they knew that they were doing the 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 first installment of what's going to become one of the top probably six um, major sports 
uh, leagues in the United States, they might be more hesitant to throw that towel. Yeah. But um, I just wish it was done more often because a lot of guys, yeah. a lot of guys, would be able to tie their shoes and recognize their grandchildren when they get older. You know. Yeah. Uh, they interview Kevin after this fight, who was apparently retired uh, prior to this, and uh, he says that he lost. 45 pounds in three weeks of training for this and uh, that he wishes he could get a regular fight against somebody instead of being in one of these. But he also, I thought was interesting, said that he's been offered many of these types of tournaments, which I believe uh, yeah, it's, it's like in wrestling, they always talk about like, there's always some guy who has, you know, uh, African prince who has money, who wants to start a wrestling promotion and it's smoke and mirrors until it actually happens. I can imagine there were a lot of guys throughout time trying to sell the idea of, Oh, we're going to put on a tournament of all the different fighting styles against each other. You know, especially because this is the era of martial arts movies. This is the era of Van Damme and, and Chuck Norris and all that stuff. I mean, if you look on UFC fight pass, I was laughing today because I subscribed to Fight Pass for the first time in a while uh, to watch those um, documentaries. And there's a <clears throat> category, you click movies, and it's like the Chuck Norris collection. And there's a bunch of yeah. Chuck Norris movies. And then there's a bunch of old, like, uh, kung fu movies and stuff. Yeah. Um, this is that era. This is the Bloodsport era. So, like, I'm I'm not surprised to think that this it, – it totally makes sense that this is when these things started popping up. This just happened to be the one that turned into the revolution, you know? Right. And yeah, the idea of like, uh, you, you want to see all these different things because of the, you know, blood sport <laughs> or any of those, like, it's an idea, like you said, as old as time, you want to see the wrestler versus the boxer yeah, or whatever, you know, uh, the next fight, the other semifinal Ken Shamrock versus Hoist Gracie. I'm, I don't understand I mean, aside from maybe they're really trying to stack it for Hoist, why wouldn't you put these dudes on the opposite ends of the bracket and hope that this is the final? You know? Like... Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know what they were shooting for because they very clearly wanted Hoist in the final. Uh, so I I don't know what uh would would their reason have been to not put them on opposite ends of the bracket, but because I I if you asked me before. I watched this, what the final of UFC 1 was, I would have said Ken Shamrock versus Hoist Gracie. Right. Um, I forgot that it was the semifinal. Yeah. The uh, Jim Brown is uh, disappointed that all the fights are short. <laughs> like, uh, uh, But uh, in keeping in that fashion, like Hoist shoots on uh, Ken right away, and Hoist has this sort of like he'll throw a front kick and then jump to try to get into a takedown and Shamrock reverses it. And then they have like a pretty good grappling exchange. Yeah. Shamrock uh, did a really good job. He got under hooks and uh, got his hips out of there. Um, it was good. He's good stuffing of the takedown. He just didn't know what to do afterwards. Cause he yeah. didn't, he's never had to fight somebody. It seems like he had never had to fight somebody who also knew how to grapple, like who's better a grappler than he was. Yeah. Uh, and then a hoist gets him, uh, gets his back from side control and puts him in a choke, and Ken taps, but it's sort of, uh, there's some confusion, because apparently the ref didn't see him tap, and Hoist, uh, classic Hoist Gracie, just won't let go of that submission, uh, even after the dude has clearly tapped out. Well, he kind of uh, does, like, 
he gets up and then he gets like he gets into like his back, like almost backside, and uh, and he just starts screaming at the ref because the ref isn't pulling him off. So he's like he yeah. because because Ken then immediately he tapped and then immediately after Hoist lets go of the submission, Ken grabbed Hoist's leg, right, and like. Hoist starts screaming, he tapped, he tapped, he tapped. And and then yeah. Ken eventually gives it up. And then... Yeah. Uh, Shamrock, after the fight, is interviewed and he admits that he was going for the leg and didn't uh, protect his neck. Which... Uh, didn't... <laughs> Gotta protect your neck. The, 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 as the, if the Wu-Tang Clan has taught anything, is diversify our bonds and protect yep. your neck. <laughs> Gotta protect your neck. Uh, and yeah, he said that he's never fought anybody who did jujitsu. So like he, you know, he's probably the top grappler because he was really good at catch wrestling. Like he's probably the top grappler in all of these fights that he's in. Um, and he was uh, surprisingly humble and not angry. Like I, I know, yeah, I know, got, Ken Shamrock is like a pissed off guy, but he was like pretty cool afterwards. And he was just like, "Look, well, he's better than me today." Like I, I, yeah. I didn't know what to do. He's really good at defending the takedown. Like he's he's a heck of a fighter. Well, and he essentially like, I have said, tremendous respect for the Gracies, he said. Yeah, and he essentially said, you know, uh, I, because the guy asks him, do you think you're the second best fighter here? And he says, no, I'm probably the third because he's not in the final. So, yeah, you know, which is, which is also cool. And then they said that there's a Hollywood producer there and Ken says that he would rather fight than be in the movies. Yeah, he's like, you think you'd, uh, you'd, 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 think you'd do good in the movies? And he's like, well, I like fighting, so. Yeah. Um, and then before the main event, like we talked about earlier, they bring in Helio Gracie and this is, uh, Hickson. Uh, that's actually a uh, Horian Horian. Okay. Yeah, Who's actually Horian with the mustache. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, actually Horian. And they bring him in and they do the, all this pomp and circumstance and like the crowd has no idea who Helio Greasy yeah. is. So they start like as soon as they start the whole thing, the crowd just starts booing him. <laughs> well, and it's weird to celebrate the father of one fighting style <laughs> yeah. at the tournament, you know, it like wouldn't you know who won the pony sort of situation? Like uh it would be cool if they did it now, or if they had done it eventually once it wasn't you know, one of the Gracie brothers ideas to well, have this tournament in the first place. You're right. But the, th the funny thing is that in hindsight, it makes sense. Like Helio Gracie changed the world. So like, yeah. we just didn't know yet. They knew yeah. like they just happened <laughs> to be, their arrogance happened to be justified, even though yeah. it seemed like it was just hubris, you know, like it's crazy that it ended up being like that Helio actually, did deserve the accolades he was being the, given the at the time. The pomp and know? the circumstance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so then our final is Gerard Gurdeau versus Hoist Gracie. Gurdeau has been through it, man. He's got a broken hand, and his foot got cut from whenever he kicked the sumo wrestler in the face, and he has part of that guy's tooth in his foot, and they're like, he's going to need to go to the doctor because there's some infection that could be <laughs> spreading from this yeah so he's got his foot wrapped up on one side yeah, bill wallace is like you know the the mouth is the dirtiest uh, part of the human body <laughs> you wouldn't think it was but it is yeah. uh like he's got his foot wrapped up on one side he's got his hand wrapped up on the other side and and hoist is as cool as the other side of the pillow <laughs> his fight time's like one minute total in this uh tournament he is so fine yeah um and then immediately Hoy shoots in and goes for a trip, but Gurdo's got a little bit of of defense. 
until Hoist gets the trip from the uh, from the clinch and then takes his back and just locks in a rear naked choke. Like he works it for a little while and they have another commentator who's more familiar with jujitsu kind of explaining the technique. Uh, but he's got Gordo like completely flattened out and he locks in the choke and then Gordo taps like a bunch. Uh, he taps on the mat. He taps on Hoist. He taps both hands on the mat and Hoist is like, I'm going to make sure somebody sees this dude tap out. Yeah. So what happened was um, in, in the, before Gardo gave his back, he bit Hoist on the ear. Oh, really? Yeah. And I so Hoist got super pissed. And yeah. when he took his back, after he tapped, he held onto it on purpose for a little bit because he had bit his ear and he kept going, you cheated, you cheated, you bit me in the ear. That's why like, <laughs> that's why after the fight, Hoist looks pissed still. And he's like, okay. And you can, if now that you know, if you watched it again, you can hear him go, you cheated, you cheated, you bit my ear. And uh, like, even when they're shaking hands afterwards and then like, yeah. he's he, they're wiping blood off of his ear and like, so yeah, uh, Cardo bit him in the ear. Sense. I thought the I thought the Hoist was just being a dick. Well, eventually yeah. Hoist, uh, like in other ones, he holds on to those submissions. So like, I I doubt everybody yeah. stinking bites his ear. <laughs> but in this right. particular situation, apparently Gardo bit his ear. Uh, so Gracie is the winner. Uh, they he thanks his family, and then he says, uh, he spent his his strategy the entire time was how to defeat his opponent without getting hit. Yeah, uh, which is twofold. One, the Gracies don't like to get hit. Uh, that was one of the eventual ways that uh, they were found that you could beat them. Is if you if you could strike with them, they they're not particularly fond of that. But then secondly, it shows how great jujitsu is. If you could not fight, if you could not get hit by a guy, and still win the entire tournament, you know, like yeah. the the domination. That's probably some of what went into it, you know, cause what did they keep calling it? The gentle, uh, the gentle, sp- the gentle spirit or something like that. I, I can't remember, but I do know that Helio told, um, Hoist not to throw any shots. He said, do not punch your opponent. Um, and, uh, so there, I guess there were a couple times where, um, uh, he I, he said, if you have to do it with an open hand, like yeah, um, he wanted he, basically he wanted it to look nonviolent. He wanted it to look ultimately effective, yeah. <laughs> and he wanted hoist to sustain as little damage as possible. Um, and you can hurt your hand by punching. Um, right. And uh, so there were times apparently when because because hoist did headbutt quite a bit in this in this uh. Yeah in this uh, competition, like even in the clinch, he was headbutting from below. And like uh, when he got on top, he was headbutting from up top. Um, but he had, he had Helio in the back of his head the whole time um, telling him, do not throw any strikes. Yeah. And that's, uh, I mean, ultimately great success because they, he won the whole tournament, you know, yeah. whether, uh, it was designed for him to win it or not. <laughs> he still those, went out those there. Those guys were still trying to beat him. Like yep, he still the, went out there and did it. The most, the most impressive one is Ken Shamrock to me. Um, yeah. And uh, they they eventually fought their last MMA fight against each other when they were both like fifty, and it was the saddest thing I've ever seen yeah. in my life. 
Uh, so Hoist wins the check and the trophy, and that's how we go off the air. I watched a documentary, or not a documentary, but a little uh, YouTube clip. It was like 30 minutes long called, uh, Was UFC 1 Rigged? And it's uh, Bill Wallace with all of these like theories that he has about what happened. And apparently some of them are more true than others, but it ultimately it's like it wasn't rigged, but it was favored towards Hoist, obviously, because they wanted the uh, J- Gracie Jiu-Jitsu to look dominant in the yeah. end. You know, but uh, some of it was like they didn't want wrestlers in the tournament uh, because they didn't want people that could, in theory... Uh, yeah, it's they they found some specialists. Like I'm even surprised they put Shamrock in. Um, yeah, I can totally see that, hundred percent. Well, because uh, I think it's UFC four before Dan Severn comes in, and then Severn like dominates because he's so good at wrestling. Well, Dan, uh, um, Art Davy was talking about he he called Dan Gable a bunch of times the the amateur wrestling god from the United States. Um, and couldn't get a hold of him, couldn't get a call back. Dan Gable was like 47 and retired for a long time. Like there were, there were amateur wrestlers he could have called like Schultz and shit at the time. Well, and there were guys like they sent out things to like judo, Gene LaBelle and stuff. And it was like a lot of the guys didn't take him up on it because they didn't think it was real Yeah, because it's, you know, it's a pipe dream the same way all of those wrestling promotions are anytime somebody talks about starting a new football league or whatever, you know, like until there's actual money to be made, a lot of these guys aren't going to risk their reputation. And there was something to that too. Like if you get in it and you lose and you're a guy who's built your reputation on being a tough guy or a martial artist or whatever, like that can do a lot more damage to you, Mm -hmm. you know, and ultimately like how you make your money, you know, because if you luckily, you know, Nobody knows who Ken Shamrock is at this point, and he loses this fight, but he gets to come back, you know, and Gracie made his name off these early UFCs. Like, uh, so yeah, it was, it was super interesting to go back and watch because I haven't watched it in years, probably since I, probably since I watched it the first time, but it's like, again, you know, like we haven't got the opportunity to see a sport grow from its infancy to a global superpower, you know, in our lifetime, like minor, minor changes to the NFL or the NBA or the NHL are nothing compared to like the difference between this UFC and the UFC now. Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah, we got to see a sport go from leather helmets to primetime in super fast speed, like way faster than any sport that we know of has gone to that. Um, and that's because of these guys, but our art Davy and, uh, Horian Gracie sold the UFC a couple years later after UFC five. Um, I believe that is the Fertitta cell, um, sale, but I can't say that for sure. I should know that. Um, but I believe that is the Fertitta cell. Um, and then, once a couple billionaires bought it, 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 they were willing and able to go into, I think they got into like 30 or $40 million debt. And then the ultimate fighter happens. Right. And, uh, Stefan Bonner and Forrest Griffin, rest in peace, Stefan Bonner passed away last week. Um, 
have the fight of the century, uh, this crazy knock em, uh, uh, slobber knocker that was the first MMA fight I ever watched. Um, and it completely changed everything. And then they were able to put this media empire behind it. Um, and it's, uh, man, I just, I love, I love MMA. I love the UFC. <laughs> like yeah. it sucks because like you have to, I, I don't like supporting Dana White, uh, even before what happened recently with him slapping his wife. Um, he's a scumbag. Um, he's a, he's a, he's a beloved person, uh, by bros everywhere who don't understand that he's a scumbag. Um, he's yeah. a liar. He's a, he's a skeezy promoter who takes money out of the pockets of these people who are getting brain damage for our entertainment. Um, but so I stick around. <laughs> yeah. And I stick yeah. around, I stick around to support the fighters and, um, and because I love the hell out of it and I respect the hell yeah. out of these guys. And, um, watching the first one was very interesting cause it's so different and it's just 30 years ago. Yeah. Well, Dana White, 24 years old when the first UFC uh, aired. That's crazy. And Lorenzo Fertitta, also 24. And That's Frank, crazier for me. <laughs> and Frank Fertitta was 32. So, like, the guys Frank's that made now, it. I think. Like, the guys that made it were so young. And, uh, to your point, like, they, they're the ones who started, but I think by the time it was sold, they had started weight classes and divisions and stuff. Like they had oh, moved Frank's away still from alive. The, Never mind. I thought, I thought Frank was dead. Like uh, they had moved away from just the tournament style, uh, fighting, but they like the Fertitas deserve and Dana White deserve a ton of the credit for modernizing yeah. the UFC product. They took um, it from human cockfighting to a legitimate sport. Um, right. And, and and happened to come in at a time when, like, that's when you've got your Tito Ortiz and, and Chuck Liddell. Couture and and uh, as Frank much Shamrock as I hate and... Tito Ortiz, and he's he's <laughs> yeah. genuinely one of the worst human beings in the world. He's a dumb QAnon uh, maniac. Um, he really did change the sport. And, like, he really did uh, – uh, bring it like give it another spark into the mainstream like i had yeah. a before i even knew what mma when when i thought mma was the gladiator challenge and crazy like uh just these infomercials i would see on tv i thought it was a blood sport um i was 12 years old i had a there was a the like you know that there would be like the pe assistant at school yeah in my middle school uh he he every year he came dressed as tito ortiz he'd bleach his hair and wear the ufc gloves and i'm like With who the, the tap heck out. is this guy yeah. yeah it's yeah i'd say i mean i know they had like ken shamrock uh dan severn and uh hoist gracie early I you could maybe make an argument for Tank Abbott, Fucking but like Tank Abbott, bro. I think I think it's easy to say that Tito Ortiz is probably the first crossover MMA star, like yeah, uh, you yeah, know. and in terms of like like legit legit because like people knew Hoist Gracie like Hoist right. Gracie got famous after the first few of these and like but like but selling pay per views I think it's Tito and not like household name shit and like yeah. um. Yeah, Tito Ortiz changed the game. He really did. Um, as much as he sucks, he changed the game. Um, 
and then and then you you get you you go a little bit further and you and uh you know i'm i'm skipping a lot but you get to connor and connor just completely blows everything up but before that i mean even john jones was before that and yeah. gsp and like um yeah. and, i'd um, say I'd say and, Connor uh, kicks off the second wave because there's even like BJ the Penn and like the yeah invigorated wave yeah because it because it lulled it was up it was all the way it was peak saturation yeah and then there was sort of an exhaustion and then McGregor comes and it and it goes you know to the moon it's yeah worth, and it's worth five billion dollars to a Chinese company you know yeah <laughs> like, and and no um no uh th- there's no better time to to say that uh. Pretty soon we will be doing the rise and fall of Conor McGregor. Um, I'm stoked for that. That's going to take a lot of research on my part. I'm going to kind of steer the ship on that one. Um, the because the story and the a lot of people don't realize how special that guy was. Um, his and it's not only it wasn't all his mouth. He was an incredible fighter. Yeah, I think he could have been one of the greatest fighters ever. And, um, the way that it, the way that it, so I have the hiccups. God damn it. The way that <laughs> it goes all the, all the 2022, the 2023 goals. I know the way the that, it, the way that it shot to the moon and then the way that it kind of fell, like it had, I don't think he's hit rock bottom yet just because he's a very destructive personality now. Um, but there's been some, some really bad things and I'm going to try to basically, tell the story of here's the fight and then here's what happened after the fight. Here's how we all reacted. Here's what he did in the public leading up to the next fight. Here's the next fight. And um, we're going to watch the fights and uh, I'm going to try to remember things that happened. I'm hoping that I can find some articles that chronicle some stuff. I'll obviously cite whoever I look to because there's so much to remember like right. him winning and then him, him just tweeting like thanks for the cheese i've decided to retire young and just blowing right. everything up and then like when he beat uh he beat uh uh aldo and he posts a picture with a giant machine gun in his hands outside of uh outside of his mansion it says uh stand in line i want you to beg me <laughs> and like all this stuff like he was just so good and then he just yeah. and then he just punched an old man and like cheated on his wife a bunch and like yeah it's... i don't know that anybody's rise has been as fun and anybody's fall has been as sad like it's for really MMA. it's really bummed me out in, in mma yeah in mma there's nothing like this i mean there's john jones but john jones John Jones's hype was what he did in the ring. Like he yeah. he wasn't a crossover superstar like Connor was for like all encompassing everything. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. Yeah. I don't I don't know what we're doing next week. Uh, I don't know what ne- what's next. Um, but uh, we will be doing something fun, and we're doing a booking show again soon. So yeah. Um, so this is the first of the new uh, experiment. You know, we're we're gonna stick with this. Uh, I had a lot of fun watching this show. It's interesting to talk too. about. Uh, it's interesting to have a different, completely different world to look into. So, uh, we will keep you updated on new stuff we're doing. Maybe maybe we'll do a movie review next. Who knows? Because Who knows? Uh, we're. This, but one thing we do know mm-hmm. is that while kayfabe may be dead, mm-hmm. we are alive. We're at the Snart Marks podcast. Stay tuned, everybody. Thanks for listening. Have a great night.
Bye bye, everybody. It's all over. I should put. I should put. Uh, I should put Mike Goldberg in there. Uh.